You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is a friend of mine. You got a game going somewhere, pal? And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Welcome to the party, pal! Did we just become best friends? Yup! Oh, Steve understands the meaning of the word pals, don't you, Steve? So you got three, four good pals. Well, then you got yourself a tribe. And you're in this search for something today. I can feel you rally around someone with your peers. But can you stand alone? Can you take the long way home? Cause I've been in the circle a hundred times before. And I feel safer in the eye of the storm. You can throw your stones. I'm only three for you. Utah! Give me two. Give me two! What up, everybody? Michael Govier. It's the Plotso Podcast, Plotso Pals Edition, where we do a one-on-one showdown. Me versus the man, woman, or whoever it is that is on the show. And today, that person is Scott Chu from Pitcher List, but he's known for his hitter list. So don't get him confused with some of the pitching people over at Pitcher List. He's also a local Michiganian. Uh, apparently, Michigander is gaining a... Yeah, well, see, Michigander is gaining more traction. It used to be Michiganians or just like, I'm from Michigan. Michigander has taken over over the last five or so years, I would say. It's a little bit newer, but either way, we both live in the Great Lakes State. We're, we're a little bit apart. I live on the east side. You're more of a west sider, correct? That is correct. That's okay. That's wonderful. East side meets west side. Welcome, Ed Scott. Coast to coast. Uh, what's the word today, man? Yeah, coast to coast on the Great Lakes State. <laughs> We are the biggest show in Michigan. No, I have no idea what the biggest show in Michigan is at all. But it's great to finally do this. This is long overdue anyways. You got so much energy like me. I think we're kind of similar. We try to keep it positive, upbeat, enjoy life as much as we can. Also keep it real too. So tell me, Scott, do you think the Lions will win eight games this year? No, but that's okay. I think. Oh, okay. So for me, it's. Like, for example, my, my buddies and I were talking like, why do they still have Jared Goff? Well, it's because if you don't have a quarterback, everything looks broken, right? <laughs> how do you, you can't really judge how good a team is when they have no quarterback. So like Houston Texans last year, like they're just, they just weren't good. When you don't have a good quarterback, you can't do anything, right? Your defense mm. is exposed because you can't keep the ball. Your running backs are exposed because they just put a bunch of guys in the box. You can't do anything. So uh, hopefully this year they find what holes they have and figure out how to fill them. I'm ready. I'm walking tall. <laughs> exactly. Maybe the Lions are ready to take the next step. Who knows? But it's such a big deal for me to just even say that, Scott, because it's been such a endless period of heartbreak. The Lions are one of the most snake-bitten, shitty Garbo franchises that ever lived, and 
you think it's normal until you really start to look around at the rest of professional sports and you get out there in the world and you realize how inept they've been for such a long time. But, you know, this show is not about the Detroit Lions. We talk baseball on the show, fantasy baseball. we got a lot going on in that world. And when we do the Palazzo Piles episode, we kind of talk a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We rotate back and forth. Uh, you know, cover some things. Try to be curious, not judgmental, to steal the Ted Lasso tribute. Uh, do you uh, consider yourself a Ted Lasso fan, or did you think the show was stupid? I'd love to know what you think. Uh, you know, I actually haven't watched it. I'm one of those. I've, everything I've heard is good. I'm Everyone one of those. I like likes it. Right? Everyone <laughs> I like likes it. I just don't have Apple TV because I have too many other things, and I can't justify it yet. Oh, Scott, come on. It's called torrenting. Learn about it. <laughs> It's for poor people, okay? <laughs> right. Not that I've ever done that, of course. I would never do that. No, I know how to do useful. it in theory. <laughs> I've heard it's decent and could be helpful. But never pirate anything, folks. So of course, always obey the law, especially on YouTube. But they might even cancel me or cut off the stream just for saying those words. I have no idea. You know, the Anything's man possible. is always watching. Anything's possible. You, you kidding me? It's crazy yeah, I mean, world I'm, out there. You know, one of the things I do in my spare time, I guess, is uh, I'm also an attorney, so I'm not I'm not getting disbarred for Ted Lasso in theory. <laughs> in theory, that would, that would be the dumbest. That'd be such a great like uh, one of those headlines you see on Yahoo or something. Real quick, man disbarred for downloading Ted Lasso illegally. I would it's like <laughs> the boring version of Florida Man. You know, <laughs> yeah. Which, like we said, Curlin, he tried to be Florida Man, but as you and I broke it down. On Joe Orico's trade deadline special the other day, which was a lot of fun. That was our first appearance together t- on a screen. That Florida man is much more haggard, brutal, and hardcore than what Curlin was trying to pull off. Curlin's a nice guy. He can't be the real Florida man. He just he can't do like the eyes, the intense eyes yeah. that just like stare through the camera straight at you. Right, you got that mug shot. It's just so iconic. Yeah, I agree with you completely. All right, so make sure you guys follow Scott on Twitter, of course. It's a killer handle at if the chew fits. C-H-U. Scott Chew at if the chew fits. It's a killer handle. I love it. I like playing with words. I think it's fun. Alliteration will never get boring to me. Do you find alliteration is a little bit played out or not? Never. Never. Yes! It's, see, it's, it, I mean, it, you need a light touch sometimes. But, like, just, just <laughs> it in. You doesn't have to be over the top. Sometimes you just kind of like in articles every once in a while, just kind of sneak it in. I don't, I don't even know if everyone notices. It doesn't matter because I enjoyed it. Like I got a chuckle thinking of all these words that started with a k sound, and, and that's all that matters. Like half, half the writing. Like this, this is not a, this is not like a full time salary man job, folks. Like so, a lot of the payment I get is the joy, and sometimes the joy is stupid alliteration, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Boom! That's on the record and locked in, folks. I love it. Anytime anything is official and for the record for all times, I will hit that button, just so you know. All right, let's get into it. It's time to be curious, not too judgmental. Even if you've never seen Ted Lasso, it's always good to be curious about life. You know, Dive into fantasy, the picadillos of our little worlds that we have. Jaybird's here. Uh, congratulations, Govia. Thank you very much. Yeah, right before the show, too, uh, it's announced I am on the FTN network officially. I will be working with Vlad Sedler and Chris Meany and all those guys over there. So it's like... It's a cool, exciting thing, but right now I'm focused on Scott and the show right now. So I'm really excited about it, and I will talk more about that later. And thank you so much. So many people are so kind, and Twitter can be a hellscape for some people, but it's not been the case for me. It really hasn't. So thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Anthony is late, as he always is, Scott. This is a running gag. Anthony is always late. Thank you, Anthony. So 
First question from me to you, from me to you, is simple. A hitter is officially hot when he shows us what? Something new or something they used to do that we like, right? You, you don't talk about, I mean, we don't usually talk about like stars being hot. I mean, sometimes they are, but that's when they're doing something above and beyond the amazing. But a lot of right. times I'm just, you know, like, for example, I, I'm always trying to watch Javi Baez. He has hot streaks like none other. And then all the other times he is basically unrosterable. But what you're looking for, like when I'm looking for a Javier bots, like a Javier Baez hot streak, and I'm trying to think of when that's going to happen. I'm watching the strikeout rate because if it's like over a you know 30, 50 game sample, it's down to like 20 percent. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's seeing the <laughs> ball. Right. Like he actually he knows when it's a slider now. You know, he's not going to swing. That means he has a chance to really get on one of those tears where he just hits home runs, steals, does everything. Hasn't done that very much this season, but that's what you're always looking for. Like for, you know, it's a thing that they don't usually do that's very positive. Great call. That's a really not overly complicated way to say it. You're right. They see something new, something different. And when something like what Shohei Otani does as a two-way player on both ends as a superstar, yeah, that's when he's hot. When he's striking out 12 guys and then hitting double-dong games, like that one game he had, I believe it was back-to-back nights earlier in the year. He had a double-dong, seven-RBI performance, and the next day he struck out like 12 or 13 guys. That's hot. That's amazing. But a superstar at a next level. But other than that, I'm looking for players like... Javi Baez, who's been just, you know, we don't need to explain how disappointing and sad and frustrating that has been because the whole Tiger season has been just a mess, right? I mean, quickly, we might as well talk about it since you're a local like me and you listen to Dan Dirkison, the legend himself. His, so many of his golden years, his prime years are being wasted on disappointing seasons. It makes me feel bad for him. He's so good. Like it's, So good. Like a lot, a lot of the best things I've ever said on air started with, I was listening to Dan Dickerson, and he said, Right. Like that. He's like, he's that level. He he has so many good anecdotes. He has so many good observations about the game. Like, you know, with the passing of in Scully, you know, I I'm trying to cherish the guys around now that I know I will miss when I'm older and Dan Dickerson will be one like him and Jim price are just, they're fun to listen to all the time. I, I still miss Mario and Rod. Right, despite the fact that they may not have enjoyed each other very much, I <laughs> may not have together. enjoyed each other. <laughs> yeah, let's put it mildly. <laughs> I think those guys were kind. Of, the TV side always seems to be a little bit more vanilla for some reason, regardless of who it is. Except when it was this is even before your time. Now George Kell and Al Kaline back in the day, those guys were unique. And the Southern Arkansas draw that George Kell had and Al Kaline just being the reserved, very knowledgeable color commentator that he was, uh, that was cool on the TV side. But usually the radio has always been just a better broadcast overall. And I would agree. Dan Dickerson is God. He's a man among men. And, you know, Jim Price, he gets made fun of a lot. I kind of feel bad like it's gone too far sometimes because, you know, Nice area, the art of pitching, the old yellow hammer, all that stuff. He's, he's got a lot of taglines and one-liners, and I think that's fun. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm listening for. Like, that was the thing with Rod, right? Like, he'd say a thing like, he'd say something like partners, like, ooh, that's a slide piece, right? Like, he'd say weird stuff like that. And, like, that was fun. It's part of enjoying your local team is, like, knowing the quirks of your broadcast, right? It doesn't necessarily have yeah. to be, doesn't have to be, like, objectively good, award-winning good. It just has to be like kind of fun. It has to be something that you can relate to anyone that's listened that listened to the Tigers during that time. You can drop a Rod Allen. You just say Rod Allen and everybody's got some kind of story or thing they heard, <laughs> or they'll just say something like that's what's fun to me. Second deck. 
There it is. <laughs> oh, Rod, we miss you. I hope you're doing well. I know Mario, uh, he went to Boston for a minute. I don't know where he is now. I think he's been trying to get some part-time opportunities at other teams. He's definitely a really rock-solid play-by-play-by. I'll say that. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Very smooth. Oh, very smooth, no doubt about it. So, this is a question we always ask on this show. How has Russell Crowe impacted your life? I mean, was I not entertained? I know. I mean, were you not? <laughs> is that the bottom line here? I mean, yeah. Like I'll, I'll use, like I'll use the quote from the movie. I mean, it, it was entertaining. Like there's all, you know, stories about his personal life and that he might, you know, he might be a jerk. He might not be. I don't care. Right. Like I liked gladiator and I was at like when gladiator came out, like I was at an age where the coolest movie idea was some dude goes and kicks a bunch of people's butt. Right. Like that's, that's just right. what he does. He goes out and he gets cool weapons and there's lions and it, like, it doesn't like, that's what was fun. So like, has he impacted my life? Of course, because he entertained me for several hours because his movies were very long for the time. Short for now, but long for the time. Yeah, we have a Russell Crowe channel on our Palazzo Podcast Discord. It's always filled with the same gladiator gifts. There, there's a lot of similar gifts that just show up again and again for Russell, who is a legend and is the official actor of the Palazzo Podcast. Let's make that clear. Uh, some of you guys are commenting. If you want to ask Scott questions, we'll try to answer them here in the live chat. Right now, we're just getting a lot of random uh, Calvin Johnson. Clap, clap. Okay, that's great. R.I.P. Vin Scully, MJ Govier, the voice of baseball now. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> and Donovan says, just watch the Vin Scully, Hank Aaron 715 oh. call. Rest in power. So good. I mean, that, that call... You know, there's like, there's a lot of things you can say about it. The amount of times he just lets you listen to the crowd, like all that stuff is great. Like, you know, not to get too deep into it, but he, the fact that he was willing to even mention race at that time in any context is, is quite progressive for that time. Like, does it stand up to now? It's probably a little light, right? But like at that time, like Vin Scully was able to do it and not let it be something that overtook that moment. So I thought that was, I mean, that's like really artful. Agreed. Well said. Vince Scully is who he was. He lived a full life. He should have no complaints. 94 years, got to be the best broadcaster of his time. So if you could have that life, I think we'd all be like, oh, I'll sign up for that. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. He's the heart of like every, like a bunch of people in baseball, The like their favorite stories are like about Vince Scully. Like when everybody has a story about you, that's great. Like that's how you know you did it. You made it. Damn right. Damn right. Yeah, we're live here with Scott Chu. We are talking about baseball. We're talking about life. We're talking about Vin Scully. Whatever comes to mind, we'll do it here on the Palazzo Pals edition. Follow us on Twitter. Palazzo Podcast. You talk. Two L's. Two Z's. Give me two. Free Discord available pinned at the top of the feed. And if you want to take it a step farther, we have the Patreon. I just did a massive trade deadline write-up exclusive for our patrons. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. Jaybird says he's going to the Tigers game tomorrow night. I'll see you guys there. I don't know if you'll see Scott there or me there. I will be in attendance Saturday for Lou Whitaker's jersey retirement. That's not one I'm going to miss because Sweet Lou was my favorite player growing up, and this is way overdue. And not to make this too Detroit, Michigan-centric, but Lou Whitaker should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. He was a great second baseman. There he is, Miguel Cabrera. Woo! Yeah, just got Detroit. that in the mail from Tigers Authentics. Uh, last time I was supposed to go to a game, I couldn't make it. was able to work with Tigers Authentics. It was the game that Miggy had the public signing. So I, I missed oh. it. I was able to work with Authentics where I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get the thing I wanted signed, but they were, you know, an extra like 20 bucks. They sent me uh, this this really nice picture. But uh, I, I, I haven't been to Comerica Park this year, and it's, it's a regret. I got to get there soon. Neither have I. I haven't. 
you know, I got a lot of reasons why I haven't been, though. I'll be fair. I'm always going to be honest. I'm going to be critical. I'm never going to be a fan who's just a blind diehard. I look at reality, what you do for the community, what you do for the people around you. And Chris Illich, frankly, he's got some problems. He's got some serious problems that I'm not a fan of, and it does turn me off. I can't lie about it. Oh, I mean, that's that's fair. We were all allowed to... You, you can, you can like, we support for random reasons. And I mean, not even random, like we have reasons that we support. We have reasons that we don't. And that's, that's totally fine. And, you know, there's always arguments about this and that I'm like, well, like you, you can all make valid points, but I get to pick the ones I want. Cause it's my friggin' life in my opinion, you know, that's right. Damn right. That's how you do it. And that's what we want for me, Scott. Anthony says is MJ Govier and Scott brothers. I'd be convinced they are twins over Arnold and Danny De- I actually am a twin, right? Like he's, he doesn't get on the mic or anything. He, uh, he, he's out there somewhere you can find him. He doesn't have the mustache. That's how you tell us apart. Right. And I'm much more handsome between the two things. You figure it out pretty quick, but yeah, I'm, I'm a really, yeah. He looks like this, but like I said, like a little less handsome, right? So if you (laughs) see me, but I don't look handsome, that means it's probably him. Wow. No shit. That's cool. Okay. I didn't know that. Uh, Joe says, Hey, just got here, but want to make sure you guys don't forget to talk about the tigers. Yeah. We've definitely covered a lot of that, Joe. Don't worry, that's it's been done. Dad Sox says, I'm so glad I got to enjoy Miggy through his prime. Such a joy to watch. You know, even even now he is in the sense of like, is there a day like that guy has fun every day, right? He cares about every hit. Like this whole time people have talked, you know, he's gotten pressure about like his big contract and all that. And every time he interviews, every time he does anything, I think it's very very genuine. He just talks about trying to win games. He he's not stupid, he knows he's on a bad team right now but he always just wants to win baseball games and have fun playing baseball. And like that for a guy like him, like it'd be so easy to be sour in that position, right? Like I've I've been on a bad team. It's been a rebuild for so long and he just keeps trying to win games. And I think that's why he's so endearing to fans and to his teammates. Anthony wants to know, has Scott too adopted a minor leaguer yet? Oh, I mean, No, not at the moment, but I, but I am, I am consider. you know, I've been looking at, I, I follow, you know, the tigers a lot. I mean, I kind of like Dylan Dingler for, for no particular reason. Um, just because <laughs> he's, he's a catcher. He's a prospect. He's got a great name, like a plus name. So, you know, I'm, I'm following him a little bit. I collect baseball cards. So like, I could probably go through like the, the cards I've picked up of tigers prospects and like pick a favorite, but, but that one stands out. Dylan Dingler. Okay. I'll tell you this. We had this guy on from AdoptAMinorLeaguer.com yesterday, Michael Rivers, and he is very tight with the guy that was just sent to the Tigers, Sawyer Gibson Long. So so he knew – so Michael Rivers is based in Minnesota, so he was very tight with a lot of Minnesota prospects, and in particular Sawyer. And when Sawyer got traded for Michael Fulmer the other day on his way to Minnesota, and now Sawyer is coming to double-A Erie, I believe – he knows him very, very well, and uh, he might be looking for someone who's looking to help him out. So it's a great program, and I'm really glad that Michael Rivers came on the show to talk about it. You know, just people who are looking for meals who can't afford it, the less well-known players, these senior contracts, which are basically ten grand or twelve grand at most for a whole season, which is, you know, he can't survive on that. So it's a great program, and I encourage everybody, if you can't even afford to help in any way, like – Chick-fil-A gift cards or, I don't know, fast food gift cards or restaurant gift cards, even Visa gift cards, stuff like that. You can get in touch with adoptaminorleaguer.com. Start there and help someone out who could use a better meal than, 
I don't know, ramen noodles. Ramen noodles could be good sometimes if they're done right. But I obviously didn't know this was a thing since that's not the question I thought I was being. But oh. I, I love it so much, right? Like, I, I love this idea that you can support minor leaguers. Like, they're criminally underpaid and they provide. It's a fun, like, I love going to minor league games. I'm about an hour away from the West Michigan Whitecaps, the single A affiliate. Yes. And like, that's so much fun. Like, when Nick Cassianos was coming up went there right have a ton of memories from that game me and my me and my friends still like like my stomach never recovered from the fifth third burger i ate there right like my <laughs> insides are still like kind of processing what happened that day right it was horrible it was horrible I'm like but i think of it finally because it was a minor league game it was fun i think i, I think i spent like 20 bucks the whole day uh it, it was fantastic so like 20 bucks yeah, I mean, the fact that you can support these guys who are not only, like, trying to win a real job in the major leagues, but, like, they are still providing the product, right? Like, we go to watch baseball. They are there providing it. They are doing it in conditions that are not always the best. And, uh, like, I just think it's so cool you can support them besides just buying tickets because they don't get enough of that money. Lock that in. That's a great commentary right there. Yes, uh, Dad Sox says, do you get to choose who to support or is it random? No. So if you go to adoptaminorleaguer.com, adoptaminorleaguer.com, you can get in touch with the people who run it, and then they can put you in touch with your favorite team and possible players who are in need. So it could be the team you support. It could be a random minor leaguer entirely if you prefer it that way. There's a lot of custom options. So it's not just like, all right, well, we're going to put you in touch with the next person. You can make it more cultivated to support people that might be close to your area, too. You never know. A lot, a lot of opportunity there. So give that some opportunity for your time, your money, whatever you can give. Make a difference. Try if you can. If you can't, at least spread the word on it. All right. Uh, I adopt MJ Govier. Send White Castle and welcome to Moe's uh, gift cards. Moe's? Like welcome the to burrito Mo's? place? Like yeah, the is that what he's talking about? Yeah, like the not Chipotle, but like around a lot. I think they have like, I think their big thing is if you eat in, it's like bottomless chips and salsa or something. <laughs> I know Moe's. Yeah, sure. They're around. They were even in the South when I was in Georgia recently. Uh, Japer says, we are in a battle in the Mike the Mouth League. Two bats for sixth place. Yeah, well, that's life sometimes. You can't win them all. Two beasts. Go and Chew. That's right. Hey. My man. Someone Anthony. knew who I was. This is a great day. This is a great day. Anthony's the man. <laughs> I got to meet Anthony Person back in Vegas in March. It was awesome. He's an incredibly fun dude. He's got the T-shirts, the Kansas City Moose every year. So, yes, we thank you, Anthony, for being here. All right, let's get back on track here with Scott Chu. We're live talking in the Palazzo Pals realm. Let's go back to a fantasy question. Uh, what is the value of a manager? Is it ever possible for us to quantify it or track it down the road? Do you see some type of way where we could come up with something that says, here's what a manager's score might be, where we could actually give them a number that would be quantifiable? I kind of want to answer this two ways. Like first, like as a general sense, no, I don't think we can do that. I actually consider it to be part and parcel with like team context, right? Because managers make decisions about lineup. They make decisions about, you know, it's like, it's really hard. One of the worst things, especially early this season with Andrew Vaughn was that he played for Tony La Russa, who wouldn't start him, even if he hit like three home runs in a day, right? Next day he sits. So like, it's part of team context because it's how often you play. It's, it's like, sometimes you're competing with teammates for spots. And sometimes you're competing with the fact that Jim Leland wants to play Don Kelly every day, right? Like that's, 
that's kind of what you're fighting against. So overall, no, but what you can do, and one of the things the managers has the most control over stolen bases. So when I'm looking at teams, I like whenever a guy moves at steals bases, I'm like, is he going to a team that's willing to run? I mean, last uh, Starling Marte was the big example of this, right? He got to go over to the A's and the A's, the only way the A's were going to win games were to let this guy run every time he was on base and every, like they would let him steal home. They didn't care. Right. And it's because the manager there was willing to do that. And they were willing to do that to win games. I mean, the Royals historically have been a team like this because of the management. Other teams are not right. Like, so you'll find that certain teams just don't run. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I can't think of like one right off the top of my head right now, but look, I mean, you can even just go, it's very, you can just look at leaderboard team by team who steals the most bases. Sometimes they'll do it because of, like they won't steal very many bases because of a lack of a base stealing threat. But for the most part, that stuff all washes out. Teams steal very situationally manager. It's a risk assessment right there. And a lot of man, some managers say I have to feel 85%, 95% confident. Others are like, I'm trying to win this game. Give me 60, you know, 66%, give me 70%. I'll, you know, I'll make the move. So that's really what I'm looking for. So it really affects stolen bases. Otherwise I just consider it part of the team context. Well said. Managers are always going to be impacting the game, but I don't know how much we can really ever track it with a data chart that says this is this manager's score based on a number of parameters. I think what you said there makes a lot of sense. I am in agreement with you, Scott. Scott, I also want to know, do you have a favorite member of the Wu-Tang Clan? RZA. I actually don't listen to a lot of Wu-Tang Clan, but I have listened to interviews by RZA on how he talks about like the, the passion he, where he talks about his influence in music, how other, like how he's influenced other people, you know, the things that he wants to do in music, how he, you know, the way he talks about the, his journey from, from an artist that sort of, to use his words, he said he produced like a DJ to producing like a musician, like listening to him talk about that, I thought was very endearing. So, so I like RZA. Like I can't, I, I, you know, I'll admit, I can't name all the members of the Wu-Tang Clan. There's like RZA, Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, and then maybe Method Man, maybe. But uh, I can do like, <laughs> that's, that's about as far as I can go, but but I like I heard his interviews and I was like, all right, this guy's cool. I like this guy. Yeah, Riz has really made a full complement of a career for himself as an actor as well. It's really cool. I agree. I think in the end, though, Method Man will always be my favorite. I just love his style and his voice, and he's also become an actor and he can do multiple things in entertainment. I, I respect that about him. Plus uh, how high is just such a stupid movie that I still think is hilarious. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says him and red man. Hilarious. Uh, what a dead Sox here said, could we please find a way to limit the way Tony La Russa affects the white Sox? He's killing them this year. Well, good luck with that. Ugh. I mean, like that team has its own problems. AJ Pollock's been such a big disappointment for me because he's had so many opportunities to hit like second or third for that team and he doesn't do anything with it. It's killing me. Just Bob says, my wife is a twin. People ask me, how do you tell your wife from the twin? I say my wife loves red nail polish and her twin has a pink. <laughs> you know, if you just had a quick glance, like, oh, yep, yep. Okay, I get it. That, that <laughs> one's out. Okay, I got it. Just Bob, you got me there. I did not read that whole comment before <laughs> posting that. Okay, well done. Uh, Anthony says, old dirty bastard always liked it raw. That's true. He did like it raw. He said it on the record many times. Yeah. Uh, get high, study high, get high grades. Hmm. Yeah, right. Right. I love that quote. That's great. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Uh, can you give us five hitters who will thrive in August? 
Well, so the first one I'm watching very closely right now is Matt Chapman. So Matt Chapman's been a little bit up and down all year, but if you look at the rolling charts and if you know me at all, which you probably don't, I love rolling charts, right? I think that they're a great way to look at not just, not just recent performance, but with the additional sample size context built right in. Like one of the, I find one of the most misleading things to do when people are trying to add players is they go, Oh, uh, who's the hottest over the last 15 days, right? Like every fantasy website lets you sort by that. It's a quick way. The human brain really wants to limit the number of options it has to think about at any given time. But there's a cool leaderboard over on uh, Savant, ML, you know, for StatCast that talks about um, the rolling charts and the delta as in the difference between um, like how much their rolling average has gone up over the last 50 played appearances, over the last 100 played appearances, things like that. So yeah. Matt Chapman, uh, when I was looking at him, it's not just that he's kind of on a hot streak right now. It's he's on a hotter streak than he's been on in the last three seasons right? Mm. He's like significantly above that over his last 50 plate appearances. And it's not like he's just bare, you know, it went up like a rocket. Now I don't know what he's doing every day. I'm not there watching his batting practices every day, but he's done something. He's made some kind of adjustment. I don't know if it's, he's found a way to recognize pitches better. I don't know if um, he just like has a rabbit's foot and, you know, like shoved into his cleat. I don't know what it is, (laughs) but he has found a way to really step it up. And I, I think that even if he can't sustain this forever, like the amount of juice you get the net, you know, for the month of August is going to just be a giant, like a huge contribution to any team, especially if you've been sitting with him and been worried about your third base. I know that I just in a, in a salary keeper league, I just traded Freddie Peralta for him straight up because I wanted, I'd see what Matt Chapman's doing and it looks really, really special. Oh man, I got to get more. That's definitely a weaker part of my game is the rolling averages and charts. I'm not using that enough in my game. It's the one thing that's missing in my analysis. And I think if I could put that in there, I would be unstoppable. I will never lose again. Never. One of my favorite ways to get into it, honestly, is the one that's probably the easiest to conceptualize. It's the rolling strikeout rate, right? When you look at a player's rolling strikeout rate, like strikeout rates aren't constant all year. To say that a guy struck out uh, 25% of the time, like, yes, that's true overall. But when you play fantasy, you play it in weeks, right? You don't really play yes. it in, like, yeah, in Roto, it's technically a full season, but you feel it in weeks. And what the rolling chart really does is help you understand how those weeks are going because it's really hard sometimes to conceptualize, like, how good was he two weeks ago? I don't remember because, like, I, you know, I have ADHD. I can barely remember what I did earlier today. Right. Like I like one of the reasons I was so late is I couldn't remember where I put my stupid webcam. Right. I put it away <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> right. So like uh, it really helps contextualize what's going on. For example, another guy who's really doing something special that I've been waiting for. He's an injury risk. But Eloy Jimenez is really finally starting to hit consistently hitting for power. The rolling chart is going to show you that it's going to show you like, yeah, he's been down. Then he's been up. Right. Yeah, I've, I usually do this at PitchCon. I do a little thing about rolling charts. And it, again, it's always about the journey, right? When you're looking for like a breakout player, you're looking for players whose slumps go less and less deep, right? And you want their hot okay. streak to go higher and higher and higher, right? That's improvement. So when you look at a rolling chart, you get a sense of it that's happening right now. Eloy Jimenez is doing that as well. I think, you know, he's got a ton of power. There's a reason that we were really hyped on this guy as a prospect. He's like, he seems healthy. He seems in a groove. I really think he could be a huge contributor in the month of August. Well done. I like it. Good analysis here, folks. Anthony wants to know, do you think Merrifield plays every day once his vaccination status clears? I'm not sure he does. I I think that 
there's not enough necessary, like there's not enough competition for me to think he doesn't play at least five days a week, right? Like they might sit him once in a while, but you know, Kevin Biggio hasn't really done enough to show that he has to be in the lineup. Uh, Santiago Espinal has been fine, right? But he's not a Whit Merrifield. He's not a guy who you think could hit 280, 290 every day. And to talk about just the personal side, I remember people like, oh, why would they get Merrifield? He's not vaccinated because he didn't have any reason to be as a part of the Royals. He had just, just no motivation, right? He plays for a bad team. Why yeah. should he do anything he doesn't want to do, right? Um, now, granted, there's a lot of good reasons to get vaccinated anyway, but he decided he didn't want to do that, so he didn't. Now that he's with the Blue Jays, they say, hey, can you stick a needle in your arm so you can play for a playoff contender? He's going to say yes. <laughs> well, he's playing on a playoff contender for the first time in quite some time. I think that he could really rejuvenate as well. That's actually a great pick for a – right? Almost a bounce back breakout. I think he could do that. Even though I think even when he plays the big downside is he's no longer, I think going to be a number one, number two hitter. I think you may find him closer to the bottom of the lineup acting as like a secondary leadoff man. If you believe in that philosophy, I think that might happen and that will decrease his plate appearances as much or more than missing games. Yeah. There's a lot of people in their lineup that won't leave the lineup. Santiago Espinal has been in their lineup at second base for most of the season now, and he hasn't completely fallen off. But this has become a crunch time situation where you want a guy with experience. And, you know, Whit Merrifield has not had a lot of playoff experience. Right? I, know, I don't think he was – I know he's been on the team for a long time, but was he even on the 2014 team? Was he up then? I can't even remember if that was true or not. I'd, I, I'd have to I look that up. I don't believe so because he was a late breakout. He came up and he came out of That's nowhere. what I thought. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. So I, I think that is true. Uh, Anthony says Springer is hurt, so he plays right now. But Springer's going to start tonight. He's a, he's actually going to be in the lineup. I just checked it, so he's he's going to be okay. But Springer could be hurt any moment. He's always ready to be hurt. Anthony says, how was Espinal an all-star? He was hot early. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's it. exactly. And he was, he was good first to start First half all-star team. It's always like, the first half team. That's what the all-star team is. Yeah, it, it's the classic yeah. Brian LaHare, right? Like... Brian LaHare was an all-star for the one time, or like Brandon Inge. He was terrible the rest of the season, but gosh oh. darn it, he was good. He was good until then. So many people. I'll never forget the ultimate first half was Ubaldo Jimenez had that insane first half back in the day. He went like 15-1 and record-wise. It looked good on paper, but he never was able to recapture that. But he had a great half. That's what it was. Uh, we also have Anthony saying he thinks he could give other guys day off Besides Espinal at second base, playing the outfield, Merrifield does have the ability to bounce around a bit. I mean, he can't play third or short or anything like that. So that flexibility in his game will provide opportunities for him to probably get in the lineup. Like you said, Scott, five days a week. I can see that. I can't help but point out that since July 27th, coming into today's action, Vlad Guerrero Jr. was tied for the league lead in stolen bases, right? Uh, because they they don't have a lot of base dealers on that team. So they've had him steal four bases in the last like week and a half, right? It's wild. He's tied with Andre Zimbos. <laughs> and if they want to steal bases, they might find that Whit Merrifield's just a little bit faster than, than Vlad Jr. Not to take away from Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s athleticism. I just think, you know, if I look at the stats and the numbers, Whit Merrifield's like a tiny bit, you know, a tiny bit faster for whatever reason. Yeah, he is on fire. The speedster, Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, any other hitters you think will thrive in August you want to mention? I, I just was bad-mouthing him, but man, uh, I really, really hope A.J. Pollock just like acts like A.J. Pollock for the rest of the month. 
right? He's been a little bit better lately. He's getting opportunities to hit in a prime spot in this lineup. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the season, so they're going to keep playing their divisional rivals who, you know, half their division can't pitch, right? The Tigers can't, the Royals can't. So, you know, two-thirds of their divisional opponents can't pitch. So I really think he has an opportunity. He's left-handed, so he's going to continue to get spots up in the lineup because most of their big bats are right-handed. I think there's a really good opportunity there. And gosh darn it, AJ, if you can just... Just do it. You'll make me stop looking like an idiot because I keep trying for this and it's not working. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Poor Scott Chu. It's so sad. Well, hey, I'm rooting for you. I hope things get better. And I hope that one day AJ Pollock stays healthy long enough to replicate those stats that he did in 2015. It was the most ridiculous season ever by him. He's never really been able to be the guy he was when he first broke out. Long time ago as a D-back, but he's still a guy who can... Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Give you those short bursts, which you're talking about. We want those short burst opportunities where they can provide the output we need to keep the train rolling, as uh, so to speak. Yeah, um, when you're in a five outfield league, that fifth outfielder. Is a guy, I mean, you grab an AJ Pollock in a five out, you know, five outfield league, four outfield league, that last outfielder, let it be a guy like AJ Pollock. T take a chance. If it doesn't work after a week or two, just cut him, get somebody else. I find this next question is revealing in many, many ways. And I won't say why just yet. I want to see if you can do it. Can you tell us three things about yourself, three qualities about yourself that you're grateful for, that you appreciate about yourself? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> This one's a little sarcastic, but I, I actually, I, I love the fact that I'm a redhead because for my entire life, it's made me very easy to recognize both in large crowds and also helps me like stick in people's memories a little more. Like I'm not just one and loud, right? Like I'm also this big pale ginger. So, so that's always fun. Um, I'm also appreciative of the fact that I had sort of an unusual upbringing, or at least so I'm told I've only, I went through one upbringing. I haven't been through others, but uh, both of my parents are deaf. And that, you know, uh, and there, you know, it's an interracial couple, which at one time was a big deal. So I, I got some experiences that I think helped me as I got older. I mean, I was still very ignorant about a lot of things. And I still am. But as I've gotten older, I've had personal experiences that I can tie to things that I learn, things that I hear from others that helps me uh, think about the world in a way that's different than just any or like any other 31 year old, you know, 30, well, actually I'm 33, but 33 year old white dude. Right. Like I, I, I'm glad I've had those experiences. Um, and probably the thing I'm most grateful for is that I've, as I got older, I finally got the humility to learn how to apologize. Well, I mean, there's a lot of guys that oh. look like me that have no friggin' idea how to apologize for saying or doing something <laughs> stupid. Right. But it, it turns out I've had a lot of practice doing it. I, I had to apologize so many times that I ended up getting somewhat good at it. So 
uh, I, learning how to apologize has been so important because I'm going to keep doing stupid things, right? It's always going to happen. And sometimes it'll be big. Sometimes it'll be small. And I, I had to learn how to apologize in an appropriate way. Like apologizing is not groveling. It's, it's matching, right? You're trying, you're trying to, you're not just trying to say, Oh, sorry. You're, you're really trying to express like understanding what you did was wrong, what you're going to do going forward. And you know what, and making sure that other person knows that they didn't deserve what you did, if that's the case or, or whatever it is. So learning that skill has helped me save more relationships than I, I can probably even realize. Knowing when you've hurt someone and why that is, is why you apologize. That's right. That's really, really important and a skill that is not easily mastered by many at all. So you're probably in the minority, I would think. If if I did a, a quick poll or went around a room of random people, I would think I wouldn't get that same answer. So that's that's fantastic. I love that answer. And I didn't know that about your parents. That's very insightful. I love to learn things about people that I don't know about, like yourself. I find that stuff interesting. I'm just a curious guy, you know? I want to know things. Not because oh, I yeah. need to know them for gossiping reasons. I just, I am always I'm, fascinated by people's backgrounds and what makes them into the people they are. I'm very gimmicky, right? Like I'm sitting here in a dinosaur t-shirt. Like that's real. I've got actually a little dinosaur light that I use. It's not on right now and it's stuck to the wall. So I'm not going to grab it. But like, I, I do weird stuff, right? I've got deaf parents. I'm a ginger. I've got this fun mustache. I wear goofy stuff. If you watch that trade deadline show, I was wearing my super Mario shirt and some blue sunglasses. I do those kinds of things. Uh, you know, the other thing I'm known for in, in one way or another is fantasy curling felt like inventing that because it's gimmicky. Oh, right? Like yeah. that's, that's something that, that I like about myself because uh, it's a great way, you know, it's a great substitute for a personality when I don't have any personality that day. Uh, and it's also just really fun, right? It gives me something to talk about with people who I don't know. You have plenty of personality. That is just so obvious. So that's, but maybe that day, you know, you're right. We're not always on. Or we don't always have it. People always say, yo, you're so positive. Go, yeah, I love your Twitter feed. It's so positive. Like, that's great that you get that from me, but I'm not always like that. I'm also very honest and real about my life, and I don't walk around being a positive guy all the time. I just don't. Uh, life is challenging. It's been brutally hard at times. I've been through hell and back and a lot of things, uh, but I have seen more of the gratitude because of the pain. The pain and the challenges and the bitterness creates this appreciation that you don't realize you're going to get until you've suddenly discovered it. I think that's the best way to put it. No, I, I agree with that entirely. The They used to just call it getting old, but a lot of it is just getting, I mean, it's getting beaten down, getting back up and realizing what it feels like to get beaten down and what it feels like to be back up, right? <laughs> oh, there's a, oh, there's a beautiful deer right outside my window right now. This is this is Michigan right here. Seriously, it's right in the window. I wonder if I can, this is going to ruin my green skiing experience. I wonder if you guys can see this. Anybody, uh, you see that thing out there? Is that possible? See that guy out there? It's hard to make out. That's a window. It's through the window there. It's tough to see. Yeah, it's no, not coming what, through. That? Yeah, you can't make it out. All right, never mind. I tried. It didn't go <laughs> according to plan. Yeah, green screen life. Yeah, now let's go back into the bubble here. We're back into the green screen. There's no world outside of this green screen. Forget what you just saw. Just like the Wizard of Oz. Uh, we're talking live with Scott Chu here. We're having some deep, you know, talking some deep stuff here. We're talking fantasy baseball too. Anthony says, I'm grateful for MJ Govier and the Calvin Johnson jersey and his smile. Makes me want to watch Elf reruns. <laughs> Are you talking about the movie Elf? Is there a TV show Elf? Because a rerun would imply a TV show. 
Well, I mean, it is on TV for the entire month of December on one network or another. <laughs> That's true. Full of joy. Thank you, Anthony. I love you. You're always such a funny dude. You come in here, you bring a lot of positivity and comedy, and we appreciate that comic relief. Anthony also says, uh, don't apologize. Listen to Shaggy and say it wasn't me. <laughs> what a song. Classic. I still love that song. Scott is a better ginger person than WWE's Sheamus. I like to add that I am actually probably uh, one. I, I'll put myself in the top 10 best looking redheaded uh, Korean folks that you've ever met. Uh, my, ah. my grandfather is from Korea. He came over uh, after the Korean War. Um, and so it's it's another little quirk I have. That's why my last name is Chu, right? Like that's what it's from. Uh, it's Korean. And, uh, you know, as far as redheaded, you know, redheaded folks with Korean lineage go, I'm, I'm pretty good looking among all. I think there's maybe uh, on the planet seven of us, maybe. When Starburst did a commercial once for Scottish Koreans, and that gets posted on my Facebook wall seven or eight times a year because it's like everyone hears it's like, oh my God, one of those is real. And it's me. <laughs> Damn! Yeah, that. <laughs> Anthony says, you had me at hello. Thanks. Uh, I saw Bambi. Great. So, okay, somebody saw it. it did it. There is a deer right outside the window right now, I swear. And one of them has spots. One of them has a kid. It looks just, oh, yes. Oh, wow. So pretty. It has the Bambi spots. It's amazing. Dad Sox says, what do we believe the real Patrick Sandoval is? He started the year hot and has struggled of late. Uh, I don't think he's built for a long haul. I think he's still, he's had a lot of injuries and hasn't had a chance to pitch like a 150 inning season yet. So I wouldn't be surprised or nor am I surprised by his later struggles. What do you think, Scott? I mean, I let the the nerds at the website I work for, PitcherList, talk about That's true. Mostly. That's true. I, I do the hitters so that Nick has no idea what I'm talking about at any given time. <laughs> but uh, one, one thing I do think is when I look at the game log for Patrick Sandoval, and I think one of the more underutilized tools is just a game log, I notice that a lot of his struggles come in bunches. To me, that often signifies command issues, especially in pitchers that don't have a ton of big league track record. Haven't you know? So what I'm looking for, I don't know what the real one is, but the way I'll find out is by looking to see, uh, you know. So right now he's in a pretty rough stat stretch, right? His last, you know, his last five games haven't been great. I want to see how quickly he turns that back around to be a more consistent version, right? If he, you know, a, someone like Nick Pavetta has always been tough because the ins and outs are just as unpredictable and random as they were five years ago. Right. It's just that's yep. how we know what the real one is, is because he's never been able to sort of create that consistency. And a lot of that comes from fastball command or breaking ball command, depending on which one they're struggling with. And when they you know, it's the same thing, Tarek, my dude, Tarek Skubal can't. You know, that's the one thing he'll struggle with. He'll struggle with that command. And the problem for Skubal is that when he misses, he misses middle middle and it turns into a really bad outcome. Right. He's not the guy that misses two feet off the plate. He misses right down the middle. So like with Sandoval, that's what I'm watching for. Like he, how long will these, you know, can he make these bad stretches like shorter and less painful? That is what you want from Patrick Sandoval. Patrick Sandoval is a guy who, Deary, my partner here on the Plaza podcast, who is going up north this weekend to beautiful up north Michigan. Nothing like up north, is it, Scott? I mean, it's just so beautiful up there. No matter where it is, good times well, up there. Yeah, I mean, every year we, you know, me and the family, I got a got a 10-year-old, got a wife. We, we head up there every year. Just, you know, it's usually right after fall colors. It's like the last week that the, the, um, the Sleeping Bear Dune National Lakes Ford Drive is open. Uh, so we'll do that the last week just to make sure we sneak it in. And there's usually still some fall colors up there by the, by that time. That's a good call. Yeah. Sometimes these 
up north traffic going up 75 wherever you are and how you got to get there it could be brutal everyone's doing the same thing that you want to do and uh, you know i don't like traffic as much as everybody else does uh does luis rangifo have a shot to break pete rose's hit record that's that's a new one. World Series champion Red Sox 04. I don't recognize your handle. So welcome to the show. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube if you've never been here before. Uh, do you want to answer this one, Scott? Or so, do you want to? Rangifo's been really interesting. He's he's hitting third for the Angels, which if you think about like the guy, you think about the roster for the Angels they had coming into the season, that Luis yeah. Rangifo is hitting third uh, is, is odd. He's uh, it, it's hard to call him more than just a hot hitter at the moment, but it's not like he's some older guy. He's a switch hitter. Uh, he, obviously, he doesn't have a chance to break the hit record, but I do think he can be a very good contact-oriented hitter with limited power and speed, like a poor man's version of like a Luis Arias or his own teammate uh, when he was good, David Fletcher. Right? I think that he's got that kind of profile. And the way that the year, you know, the way that this year has worked out with the slightly deadened ball and all these things. Players with that profile who hit line drives are really succeeding because they don't rely on the fly ball to leave the yard, which is harder now that the ball is more dead. They rely on the line drive. And as long as it's over the second baseman or shortstop's glove, it's a base hit, right? I mean, that's what they're doing. Every once in a while, they can turn and send a ball deeper. But I think Ringifo can continue to be this guy that's better in, um, you know, average leagues in OBP because he's not a walker. But what he will do is steal a couple bases, hit a couple home runs, and be mostly contact. Points leagues players, I think, will also really appreciate what he does because he puts the ball in play. And in a points league, what you want is a ball in play. That's where you get the most points. If a guy takes a walk, there's just a limited number of points they can get, right? If the bases are loaded, they might get the point for the RBI, but that's it. So you get on an at-bat that ends with a walk. You get the walk, and you get maybe an RBI. But with a ball in play, anything can happen, even if the guy doesn't get you know even if he doesn't make it to first he might it might be a sack it might be a it might be something that just gets points right and right. singles turn into doubles because uh it just squeaks by someone you like the ball in play in points leagues anything can happen that goofy little ball starts doing what it does it's fooled many people it's not like a football where you see those blooper reels of people who can't pick it up and they kick it 40 yards down the field a little more of a weird shape with a football but yeah a baseball in play is a baseball that can score you points. I like that. That's a good philosophy. I don't play in a lot of points leagues either. I've never been a huge points leagues guy. Are you a points leagues guy or? I, you know, so my, my home league is a points league. I'll say that there's a lot of fun because it, it makes it, it really helps when, you know, for us, it's like a group of eight guys and not all of, you know, not all of us follow baseball super closely. So it's nice because it's a real entry level way in, right? It makes sense. You don't have to worry about, does this guy get steals or whatever? You're like, does he score points? Right. And each mm-hmm. point, the thing that's tough as an analyst is when people talk about points leagues, there's a lot of ways to set up a points league, right? Like the standard ways where, you know, stolen bases aren't worth much pitching's dominant. Uh, you want guys who don't strike out, but then there's others that are just like a lot, you know, a lot more quirky. So they're really tough. Like anytime someone says, uh, Oh, I've got a points league. My first thought is like, like a, like if I were to say a roto league, but it's like a 13 team NL only roto league. Like there's a lot of context you miss when you just hear points because of the way the points the points are structured but i do like the i mean i like the format head to head big time head to head guy right yeah so actually i do like head to head for my home leagues right because it's again roto is a grind and, and when you're when you're playing for like like uh when you're playing for clout right you're in a tgfbi where i'm doing just awful this year but if you you know if you play in those like roto is the most fair right but you know what's not fair life and baseball Right. So at <laughs> the head leagues make a lot of sense to me. And it's a way that you can really get into it. it. There's it's almost like micro strategy every single week. Right. Because you're looking you're looking at Friday. You're looking at the series like, oh, man, I need some stolen bases. Who's playing the White Sox? Who's playing the Reds? Right. 
that's where you get them. I mean, some Marlin yesterday, Luke Williams, I think, stole three bases because the Marlins he did. Just wanted to, he want, they just wanted to run on the Reds because the Reds are not good at controlling the run game. So, like, that's what's fun to me in a weekly where you can do that in Roto, but, God, that's a grind, right? Some weeks oh. I don't want to care about stolen bases, and some weeks I don't have to in head-to-head. Yeah, I love forgetting about a few categories. Saves aren't as important necessarily. I, if I can take seven out of ten cats and win seven to three in a week, that's fine. I'll take it. I, I do that every week all season. I'm in the playoffs, and I'm looking like I'll be in real good shape. Head-to-head is a lot more interactive and causes you to think about more individual strategic situations through a week, week to week. And I dig that. I grew up on it. I'm always going to ride or die for head to head. That's right. Head to head. Twos. Give me two Utah. Plaza podcast. Utah. Two L's, two Z's on give Twitter. Me two. Make sure you follow Mr. Scott Chu because you want to follow people that are interesting. They're not boring and they have things to say that will also help you with your fantasy teams, especially hitters at if the Chew fits. That's if the C-H-U fits, and I'm at MJ Govier myself. Scott, do you have a mentor? I don't know if I've ever had a mentor, frankly, and I find it to be a fascinating concept. I did not until I was in my uh, probably late 20s. And, you know, the first was a guy named Alan Mitchell. I mean, these are mostly professional mentors that, you know, they do help me with like some personal stuff, but really what they help me do is like, I, I need that objective person to tell me like, hey, should I, you know, should I take this other job offer? Because it's going to be like, you know, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be all these other things, but, and it's a minor raise, but I'm so good at my current job. I might be able to get more, uh, workplace clout staying in this current job and continue building my reputation that way. What should I do? I have a mentor who, uh, he's also an attorney. He works, you know, for the same bank I work for, and he's able to give me sort of that guidance. Like I get to learn from what he did. And he actually, it's great because, you know, he's, he's an older guy. He's going to be retiring in a few years. And, and what he really enjoys about the relationship is he wants someone to share, like he's built up a lifetime of experience and knowledge, especially in our field, uh, which is commercial banking. He wants to share that. Right. And I'm happy to get the advice, right? Like getting older has made me also more humble where I'm willing to take the advice of someone else uh, in a real meaningful way where I'm actually willing to change my mind because someone I respect tells me something different. Right. That's mm-hmm. a place of maturity. And that's, you know, that's what's so great for having a mentor. Currently, it's a guy named Keith Peterson. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Keith. He's he's the kind of person that like if I'm when I'm older, when I'm in the twilight of my career, I hope I'm like him. Right. And who better to learn how to end up that way f- than from the guy? Right. I mean, this is a very yeah. I mean, the same. The, the, the idea of as a mentor is the, the same exact idea of like a sponsor in recovery. Right. You find the person exactly. who you want you find the person you, you like, you find the person who you want to be like, and you go ask them how they became like that. Right. That's what having a mentor is. So if you can find one, you find someone that, you know, you maybe you're coaching, you're like, man, I hope I'm like you. If, if you have that person in your life, whether or not you call them a mentor and have it official or whatever, you don't need that. Right? <laughs> just, they're not your sponsor. Right. Like, but if there's someone that you can go to that you respect, right. Like in this industry, like my boss now, Nick Pollock, he's a guy, the way he does his business, the way he carries about the way that he is also positive, the way, like all those things, I want to be like that. So I'm learning about how to do that from the guy who does that. Right. Like that's the way to me that a mentor works. And even if you don't have officially, you can get one. They might not even necessarily know. Right. They just know that you have some questions sometimes. That's okay. Right. That's okay. <laughs> get that advice. And as long as you're taking it seriously, it doesn't matter whether you follow it. Oh, that is, that is a f- A plus F answer. That is so good. That is the kind of answer I wanted to get. Cause there is so much to be gained from others. They can show you 
some of the mistakes they made that you could avoid, pitfalls. And if you could try to avoid some of these mistakes, why wouldn't any of you want to do that out there? So whether it's official or not, like Scott says, don't get caught up in the semantics of things. Just get focused on how much you could take back from someone else to make your life more of the overall life that you want it to be. That's all it really is. Uh, Scott, sometimes there's baseball players that pop up in my head or that I'm scrolling through a free agent list to add players, and I'm like, oh, God, that player just... It just makes me feel dead inside. It's hard for me to explain. It's like this dead feeling. It's an empty, voided-out feeling where I, I just feel really blah. Is there any player like that that you think of that makes you feel that way? There is, and it's because I love him so deeply and dearly, and he's just not performing. It's Akil Badu. I just... I watched oh. the... I watched the adjustments this guy made last season, right? He went from swinging everything, hit a bazillion home runs to a guy who walked as much as he struck out like 20% of the time through, I think it was the month of May and not showing the power, but willing to be patient. Then he turns into a more, I think of a standard profile, like a seven to 8% walk rate, sometimes six, but striking out, you know, 25 ish percent of the time. And he was kind of blending. That was where he was really blending the power and speed. And I just, uh, for a player to go through that kind of transformation, to go from a 40% strikeout rate to a 20% strikeout rate with 20% walks in the course of like a month, that to me tells me that this guy works hard. He He's willing to make adjustments to his game, right? He's willing to listen to things. He's, it's not working for him this season, and it just kills me because I know that the talent is there. I know that he can make adjustments. He just hasn't made the one he needs yet. Breach. That's so true akil badu i wrote a song about you last year and it's so beautiful and i'm rooting for you i just hope it all goes your way all right we have two more questions here we're going to get out of here with scott chu live on the plazo pals edition of the plazo podcast two l's two z's it's always that way give me two follow us on twitter find the thread for the free discord at the top and you can pop in the discord you can go to our channel that's about russell crowe you can talk prospects with benjamin chase we just did a great episode yesterday on our prospects power half hour with adoptamonorleaguer.com's very own michael rivers check it out folks come on now use the noggin uh we got a commentary here real quick based on our mentor chat Speak the truth. Too many people trying to act like they know everything nowadays simply because we constantly have the internet at our fingertips. That's from Dad Socks. Honestly, the one thing that being an analyst, like being an analyst or being good at anything, the moment you can be remotely good at anything, you start to realize how much you don't know about that thing. How much, you, <laughs> like, I, when I thought I was good at analyzing baseball, I became an analyst and realized there's so many things. Like, they're talking about bringing in bat speed. Right. They're talking about bringing bat speed and let us see bat speed. I don't know what to do with it. Right. Like, I don't know enough about how it works. Like, yes, in theory, right. More is good, but players don't necessarily show the same bat speed all the time. And, and what does it change mean? Does it mean it's hurt? Like, why would a player's bat speed change over time? Like, I don't know how to use that yet. Right. Yep. And it's the, it's just the more I learn, the more I don't know. So usually when someone believes they know everything, I know that they're probably at like an earlier point in their learning journey about whatever it is. Right. Cause you think, mm-hmm. you know, everything that means you haven't actually learned that the world is much bigger than you are. Uh, what was the concert that really sticks with you? That stands out that you were like, Oh man, that was the best concert I've ever been to. Uh, well, so my, my favorite, concert was i went and saw a chicago band back when i was uh back in high school they were called lucky boys confusion uh big fan of them they still you know they still play every once in a while so so that's like in terms of best concert but the one that stands out to me is that i went to see blue man group 
with my deaf parents. So like my favorite thing is just like my deaf parents took me to a concert. This one was cool for them because the blue man group obviously does a lot of uh, visual art as well. But like, I'm like, I never in my life thought that my parents were ever going to take me to a concert. And then eventually I, <laughs> my parents took me, took me to a music. My deaf parents took me to a music concert. Wow. I also saw Aerosmith. That was my first ever concert. Uh, and my favorite part about that was someone threw a bra at Steven Tyler and he was disgusted by it. <laughs> he was like, I've never seen someone rip a bra off a microphone with such disdain. It was amazing. I don't know where this came from. Who's this? This is disgusting. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> Govia, were you friends with Johnny Lawrence? Uh, God, these, these guys are over here in the chat talking about a lot of Mr. Miyagi, uh, mentor jokes over here. Uh, no, I never, I don't. No, Johnny Lawrence. Mr. Miyagi was a great mentor because he never told you exactly what the truth was. You had to discover it for yourself. That's what was so, you know, mind-blowing about Mr. Miyagi as a mentor, I think. He's not trying to tell you what to do. He's trying to lead the way. He's trying to show you where the path is. Whether or not you walk it is your choice. Exactly. Now, it's a different, maybe an unorthodox approach, but, hey, I still think it worked. Uh, Okay, what was the most absurd or meaningless hill you ever died on for argument's sake, really from a fantasy point of view, I guess. Oh, I was going to say in real life, it's any argument with my twin. I'll die on every hill. I'm not losing to that guy. But, <laughs> of course. Uh, but uh, I probably, oh, like, it, it's hard because I try not to die on the hill. I try to let people save me. <laughs> I try, mm. try eventually, um, I would, but I've, there's guys have been very late on. And I think Cattell Marte, when he broke out in 2019, I was writing the batter's box four days a week at pitcher list. And I just kept saying, this is just a guy. This he's just hot. This is just a guy. Like I kind of refused to look any deeper. And I just said, well, his history says he's not like this. So like all I did was look at history, right? So I was willing to die in this hill because I didn't let myself get more informed because I cared about winning the argument. And the, the first, you know, I'm glad I finally learned the lesson. There are no winners in arguments on the internet, right? <laughs> There's just people that no. stop arguing, right? Like that's the way it works. One side stops. Nobody necessarily wins, but one side stops. So I've, I've learned to uh, at least take, like at least try to dig more before I just say, oh, it's just like, I'll say it's just a hot streak for two weeks maybe. But once you get beyond that, it's like, okay, maybe something's going on here. I, I should look. Anyone can yep. be hot for 50 plate appearances, Right. Like Anyone. a lot, a lot of guys. Right. You can set records. Anyone. Aristides <laughs> Aquino set records. Right. Yep. Like he did it. Anyone can do that. And like there was something there. But of course, adjustments happen. The entire game of baseball is adjustments. That's why I love rolling charts. They help you see when adjustments are happening. But like that's why I like them. And so the more I try to the more I've learned that if I try to dig in like the players just going to adjust their way out of that anyway. Right. If I think they stink, they'll make an adjustment and now they'll be good. I think they're good. Nope. Uh, pitchers might make an adjustment and now they're not. Right. So I try not to, but I, I was, I've been, I was too slow based on history. I mean, same, that same year, I was like just constantly trying to tell people not to pick up Tommy LaStella as if it was going to hurt him, as if something bad would happen to him if they picked up Tommy LaStella. Like, hey, man, he is hot. I don't know why, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> as long as you're not, as long as you're not going to die on the hill that he's good forever. And then he's terrible for two months. Like, I think we can, we can just be like, okay, fine, go ahead. I don't think it'll work out long-term, but as long as you're not forcing yourself to go long-term, it doesn't matter. Tommy LaStella. Boy, I'm always glad we can get Tommy LaStella on the show. Uh, I had somebody bring this up to me a day or two ago, uh, Max Muncy or Vinny P rest of season. Who would you rather have rest of season? Max Muncy or Vinny Pasquantino? I don't want redraft to, redraft. There's, of course, there's, there's so many reasons why I should pick Max Muncy. Uh, the 
what's killing me is that I'm not a doctor, but man, it's really hard to think of an explanation of, of the like severe change in, in his power. Right. It's just gone. Like he, he seems like he's a little bit off all over the place. Is it the injury? I don't know. Right. I'm not going to say he's down because of injury. What I do know is that I'm not worried about any of those kinds of concerns with Vinny Pasquantino and they're both performing at similar levels now, but I think Vinny Pasquantino, because I, because I don't have any kind of, concerned about all I have, all he has to really worry about is making adjustments against major league pitching. Whereas Max Muncy might also be having to think about getting healthy or protecting his arm or whatever he has to do. Uh, And he might just start seeing competition from, uh, you know, especially as Chris Taylor comes back, as Edwin Rios gets healthy, he might start seeing competition. Vinny P is going to play. I don't think they like him and Nick Prado are all they have at that position. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like, so uh, I I will take Vinny P and I don't want people to think I'm not taking Max Muncy because I think he's injured. The thing is, I don't even have that. That's not even a concern with Vinny P. Uh, and the way the two have performed this season means I'm going to take any tiebreaker I get, and that's what it is. Yeah, I told him Vinny P. Too uh, Muncie's lineup is better. That's not really up for debate. But oh, the ceiling the, is, every, is way higher this season. Yeah, too. but yes. he's not sniffed that ceiling this year. I mean, again, look at the rolling chart. You'll see that his range of outcomes of this year have been like not necessarily always awful, but just muted right? Like they're down. They're not, you don't see those like, you know, five home runs in 15 days, like five home runs in 10 days, max Muncy. He's just not here right now. And until I see that for any amount of time, I can't pick him over Vinny P. Yeah. It's like in the Batman begins when Scarecrow says, uh, Dr. Crane's not here right now. You can leave a message even though he's saying it out loud. So that's kind of what you got there with Muncie. He's just not here right now. All right, I want to know, real simple, just a yes or no, really. Middle school or high school, which was worse? Oh, uh, middle school, because um, in high school, eventually, like, I stopped. I don't want to say I stopped caring about what other people think, because there's still a lot of, I don't wear a dinosaur t-shirt. This is not my most comfortable t-shirt, but it's the me I want to portray, because I have some vanity, because we all do. But um, in high school, I was a lot better at not worrying about that. I was willing to do things like, things that really made me happier, which were uh, choir, musical theater. I got to do those things without worrying about what people will think about me, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It just didn't matter. So middle school, I was still kind of working I was still kind of like worried. I remember uh, there was this girl who I really liked, but she was a sixth grader and I was an eighth grader. Right. Uh, And, and she wanted to date me and I, uh, I dated her. And then for like a week later, I broke up with her because I heard a couple people say like, isn't it kind of weird that he's with a sixth grader? Like looking back, no, it's not. She was actually only like six months. It was like, she was like barely a year younger than me, but she was like the oldest person in her grade. I'm like the youngest person in my grade, like that kind of thing. But that, that made middle school like so tough to get through. Whereas in high school, I was better at, not listening so closely. I'm not going to say I ignored it. I mm. did it right. I got a lot of mistakes. I did in high school too, but <laughs> though, like I was willing to own some things where I, in middle school, I didn't want to own anything. Oh man. That is a fantastic way to break that down. Cause that is really the crux of so much from that transitional period. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Uh, finally, Scott, I want to put people on the spot tell people why they should listen to you as a fantasy analyst i think the listening uh i mean i'm not saying you have to or read you what however they absorb you why should they absorb you what i will say is that uh one i will interact with people who listen or read right and i won't just interact i will change my mind if you got something right and i think there's a lot of analysts that are too afraid to do that 
Uh, so, you know, I'm willing to do that, but also because I'm going to work in things I think are not being talked about enough. I mean, one is rolling charts. I wish, you know, I, I can't show them to you right now, uh, but I'm telling you, I, I hope if you get <laughs> nothing else from me today, it's that I have cool dinosaur t-shirts and that uh, you should take a look at rolling charts. I've got, you know, I've got stuff out there. If you want to see it, you can always add me on Twitter and ask me about it. But like, I, I try to show, like a big thing for me is try to show people what I'm doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you want my answers, but like at the end of the day, I need to teach you to fish a little bit. And I do try to do that. Like even early in the show, I'm like, this is what I'll be looking for uh, in Patrick Sandoval or something like that. I try to work that in as much as I can. I think that's valuable. I think the people that are good do that. Uh, So I try to do it. I don't know if I'm good, but I at least can sort of look like it at times. So that's, you know, that's worth a listen these days. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I loved it. This was a great conversation. Somebody who can match my energy. Not always a guarantee, but Scott's got it in droves. And I've really enjoyed what he's had to say as well. It's not just the energy, it's the content. Uh, Anthony wants to know, do you sell dinosaur t-shirts on any sites? I want to draft in one next year. I wish I did, right? Uh, fre- uh, this one is from a site called Fresh Hoods. Um, so the, they're pretty cool. They have hoodies, t-shirts, all kinds of things. So I've got several dinosaur apparel items from them. Yeah, I mean, that's a marketing opportunity you're missing. Absolutely. I thought she didn't want to have her own dinosaur t-shirt. Who is this? Uh, I don't know who he's talking about. I I like that dinosaur shirt. Everyone loves the dinosaur shirt, but I thought she didn't want to have her own dinosaur. I don't know what that means, Anthony. I don't know. But I know that you love the dinosaur shirt. That's all that matters. I want to thank you guys for commenting in the live stream, bringing your thoughts into our discussion. Make sure you follow Scott on Twitter at if the chew fits at chu fits. Okay, you can do this, and of course, if you type in Scott Chu, I bet it would come up anyways in the search bar. Not a lot of us out there, right? And not a lot of them that look like this. You know, you no. Pretty, if if you see a face that kind of looks like this, you, you got the right one. I You're truly like that. one in a hundred thousand. You really are. You're a unique human being, right? Maybe I, less I mean, than that. Maybe I, one I, in ten thousand. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. The only problem is I'm also a twin, so like it's diluted immediately, right? Like every a lot of this stuff that I'm like, oh, this is unique, <laughs> except for this other guy who went through the exact same thing. Oh, the irony! Wow, isn't that bizarre? Okay, man, uh, you're such an interesting character. I've dug this. Wanna read more about your work and stuff? Uh, you go to Pitcher List, you can find the Hitter List, right? That's a good place to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also and I'm also on the First Pitch Podcast uh, that comes out. My the oh, other one yeah. I record is on. Uh, Sundays and Thursdays, but you know, so I actually recorded earlier this morning, but you know, sometimes I fill in other days and you should listen every day. It's a nice little recap of for baseball. We usually keep it down to about 15 minutes or so. Uh, and then, uh, I have the hacks and jacks podcast, which comes out on Wednesdays. Uh, that's one of the things I'm more proud of. Uh, we have a lot of fun with that. Me and Joe Galina, uh, we were nominated for FSWA best baseball podcast last year. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I like to think we were rookie of the year because the others were like the rest of pitcher list, <laughs> like the athletic and all those guys. And then there was us, the, the fighting hacks and jacks podcast. Yes. That's, <laughs> I didn't know that. Congratulations, dude. That's very cool. I got to tell you, frankly, I have never listened to that show, but I'm going to rectify that. And I'm not oh, going to a- say it. I'm just going to show with action. That's it. I'll be watching the downloads charts closely. It's not easy to hide from me. It's uh, not not a huge number. I keep <laughs> <talking about. laughs> yeah. No, I, you know what? I will be honest, though. PitcherList, you know, they came with the network recently a couple years ago, and there's so many podcasts that showed up that I got overwhelmed. So I'm not going to lie about that. I, I just couldn't keep track of it it's, all. I, I love that we have so much content that 
you know, so it, what's tough is that you like, it's not just like, Oh, I'll get all the stuff over pictures from one podcast. Like, you know, Nick, very intentional, Nick and Adam, Adam, Howe, who runs that uh, does an awesome job. Um, it actually won yeah. base, best baseball podcast last year, but uh, what, you know, what they've done is really help break it down into think, you know, help people find the niche, right? There's like in the deep with Schwebzy and, and Jordan, where they, specifically talk about deep leagues where mine is almost I talked we talked a little bit about pitchers because you can't ignore it entirely because sometimes there's just news and notes but we try to focus on hitters right as opposed to you know our quote-unquote sister podcast which is uh the actual pitcherless podcast you know on the corner where they talk almost exclusively about pitching we try to be the foil to that I like that yeah I like that very much I do that's how I discovered MJ Govier by PitcherCon this past year oh that's right, PitchCon. That's correct. I did that whole silly thing I did, whatever. I don't even remember. It was a blur to me, but uh, it was fun. And PitchCon is a great time. It's also for a good cause, so I'm glad I get to be a part of those things. And I would not have those opportunities if I just sat at home and never started a podcast in the first place. It all starts with one idea, folks. It may sound trite and simple to you, but it really is how things get done. So thanks, everybody. Thanks to Scott Chu. It's been great doing this show. We want to thank all of you for your time and energy, and uh, that's it. We're out of here. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.